Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to New York. Attention fans, this is the Devil's State of Mind Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is, once again, your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place, as always, to get the most up-to-date news, topics, and everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I really, really do appreciate it. It does mean a lot to me. You guys can probably tell by the tone of my voice that I'm not in the world's greatest uh, mood. Uh, part of it has to do with the fact that I've uh, been dealing with some some personal things that uh, I don't really want to get into here on the podcast. If you follow me on uh, Twitter, T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, or my Instagram, N-V-P-Q-B-11, um, you could probably take a wild guess from my latest post as to why I'm probably not in the world's greatest mood, but also I'm pretty pissed off uh, about Tuesday's loss to Anaheim. Um, and I want to talk about that a bunch in, in this episode. Um, I may or may not get really, really, um, really irritated. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know where, I really don't know where this episode's going to go necessarily with like my feelings towards it all and everything like that. But what I saw from Tuesday's performance just makes me worried about um, where this team is going and what type of situation we may or may not be in right now. And uh, we have a bunch to talk about. And there's also just there is a little bit of positivity in this episode as well. So it's not all negative, but I would say the bulk 75, even if you want to say like 95 percent of this episode, it's going to be me talking about. Uh, not only the game against Anaheim, but what I noticed from it and what makes me concerned about the team moving forward. 
So let's jump right into it. And I want to first start by giving you guys some updates when it comes to some players. Uh, most of you guys probably already know them by now, but if you don't, uh, I will obviously give you guys um, the update with all of them. So we're going to start with Miles Wood, who has yet to play in this, you know, in the regular season at all uh, since early October. He has been dealing with quote unquote bumps and bruises, which when we first got word about Wood being hurt and dealing with bumps and bruises, a lot of us took that as, okay, he might be out for a, you know, a game or two or three, and then he'll be back. Well, it's November 3rd, and it's been almost a month since the season started, and he has not come back and played. Um, the last time any of us saw him was the first preseason game, and that was basically it. He has not come back since um and the media did ask lindy ruff if he had any information on miles wood and anything that he could tell us um and this is what he said he said uh when it comes to miles wood he is quote out for an extended period of time end quote and they don't know how long that is right now um he did not know talking about lindy ruff he did not know how long jack he he did know excuse me he did know how long jack hughes was going to be out when he said wood is the farthest away so that's a starting point for wood's timeline um let me put it to you this way the way i see it from miles wood's perspective he is dealing with what I call the Mike Camilleri slash Taylor Hall disease. Um, and for some of you Devils fans, you probably know where I'm going with this. And I've talked about it before. Um, I talked about it probably in the last episode or two when, when we were talking about Jack Hughes. The thing about it with Wood and the thing about it when it comes to certain injuries, particularly from the devil's perspective, I can't speak for other teams and what they and what they've experienced with the media and everybody and the reporters maybe not giving as much information as we'd like. I can only speak it from the devil's perspective. For as long as I've consciously been able to watch devil's hockey, us as fans have never been able to really get the straight skinny when it comes to somebody getting hurt and really how long they're going to be. I'm not saying that Lindy Ruff is lying about Miles Wood. I legitimately think he does not know how long, definitively, how long Miles Wood's going to be out. I think that they do know exactly what he's dealing with. And I think what happened was that when, when Miles Wood first got hurt and they said bumps and bruises, they looked at it and they, they saw the injury and they didn't see from the way the doctors and the trainers were talking, it may have not seemed right away that it was something severe. But now that it's been a couple of weeks and Wood hasn't even started, you know, getting back on the ice and getting himself in game shape, it goes to show that this injury, whatever it is, is way more serious than we really know, than we're really led on to believe. And I don't want to sit here and, you know, crap on team reporters and, and people who, you know, work for the team and, and can give us that information and are not giving it to us because again, they're just doing their job at the end of the day. They're just doing their job and they are instructed by the team to give out certain information. It's the team's responsibility to decide whether or not they want to reveal more than they normally would from informational standpoint about um, the player that is hurt. And why do I bring up Mike Camilleri and Taylor Hall? Well, if you go back, and I think it was the 2013-14 or 2014-15 season, Mike Camilleri got injured like the second month of the season. And at first it was described to us that he wasn't going to be out that long, that he was going to be back in, in maybe two or three weeks and we'd be all right. 
Well, fast forward to the end of the season and Camilleri was out for five, six months and did not come back that year. Um, I don't remember exactly if we ever found out what exactly the extent of the injury was for him, but that was definitely a frustrating thing to, um, to deal with. And then you go to Taylor Hall in the 2018-19 season. Um, he got hurt in like the third month of the year, third or fourth month of the year. And at first, again, it was described as something that wasn't that severe that he would be able to return. And it just kept lingering on and on and on. And we weren't being told very much of anything. We, every time we got somewhat of an update, they would say, oh, this player's progressing. He may come back, you know, things like that. And Taylor Hall ended up missing the rest of the season. Um, even last year with Nico Heischer at the beginning of the year, we knew he had gotten hurt, um, you know, during the, during training camp, well, not during training camp, uh, in the off season when he was back over in Switzerland and the devils just kept us in the dark about really the significance of the injury and how long it was going to take. A lot of people described it as he was going to be out the first couple of games. He would come back. He was out for almost a month, month and change before he actually got on the ice and was able to play. Um, and then we later found out after the season, how bad the injury was. Um, I would say the same thing is probably happening with miles wood. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that I don't think miles would be playing at all this year, but if it continues to go this way, we're going to continue to have the same situations that we've had in years past with players getting hurt. We're just not going to get enough information. Um, unless something gets leaked by accident and then we're able to gather information I think that this is going to be kept, you know, very, you know, very tight, very sealed. And we're just going to get updates every now and then. And we're probably going to get stuff like, oh, we still don't really know, you know, how long Wood's going to be out, but he's progressing, blah, blah, blah. It, it's going to be like that. A lot of the stuff that we've heard before. Um, so that's kind of where we are with Miles Wood. Nobody has any idea what the significance of this injury is. We don't even know what exactly he's dealing with. All we were told was bumps and bruises. But the longer that this goes on, the worse it feels like. It feels like the more and more I'm thinking it's got to be something like a torn ACL or something along those lines um, because it's just like that. Again, I don't know what it's like um, as if I don't know what it's like for other fans of other teams when it comes to players getting injured. And if anybody who's a fan of other teams uh, is listening to this episode, uh, I would love it if you guys could, uh, you know, hit me up on social media at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind and give your opinions and talk about your guys' experiences. Because I would like to see if other teams experience these type of, you know, being left in the dark, so to speak, situations when it comes to players getting injured. But as far as Miles Wood is concerned, I, I have no idea when he's coming back. We, the Devils would definitely benefit from him coming back. We do need his speed. We do need his physicality. We do need his leadership. Um, and obviously, we'd like to have him back sooner rather than later, but we don't know when sooner or later is actually. Um, we obviously know when it comes to Jack Hughes that we have a certain timeline, that we got to wait around for five weeks, four, four, almost four weeks, and then you know, we'll be able to have a reevaluation again of, of Jack Hughes. And then we might be able to have a better idea as to when he actually will be able to come back. As far as Miles Wood, we have very little to no information at all about what he's dealing with and how long he's really going to be out. So that's really the only update that uh, Lindy Ruff could give us. And uh, it just makes me very concerned that Wood is dealing with something way more severe than we were led on to believe at first. 
Um, we do have some good news when it comes to injuries. Uh, the Devils just before puck drop last night against Anaheim announced that they had activated goaltender Mackenzie Blackwood off of the injury reserve list, and he would be able to at least be the backup for Jonathan Bernier, who got the start last night against the Ducks. Also, the Devils said the expectation is that he will play this weekend either against the LA Kings on Friday or the San Jose Sharks on Saturday. So that is obviously great news. For the first time all season, our goaltending tandem is fully healthy and we're okay. So that's a relief. Um, obviously, all of us are very much excited and anxious to see Blackwood play, knowing now that also he's going to be fully vaccinated and he's going to be able to just, you know, be a part of the team fully and not have to miss any games for, uh, for different reasons. It's good. The hope is, is that both of these guys can stay healthy long term because we've obviously seen how much we're lacking in goaltending from early on in the season, other than, you know, minus Bernier, because Bernier has gotten off to a very, very good start in his tenure here in New Jersey. But, you know, Nico Dawes had a bad game, even though he did win his first NHL game. But Scott Wedgwood, I mean, there are games where he's really solid. There's other games where he's not. He's just flat out not. Um, and that's kind of the frustrating Situ that's the frustrating thing that we have to deal with when it comes to Scott Wedgwood. Um, but this is great news about Mackenzie Blackwood and hopefully he can, you know, be, you know, he'll hopefully he'll play, obviously, hopefully he stays healthy and he can play at a level that we need him to play at to be that number one guy. He is our franchise goaltender. He has to come out and he has to perform like a number one. And uh, if the devils can give him some goal support and some defensive support, Hopefully he can come through and make the solid saves that he has to and wins, win us some games as we try to be a much more competitive team this year. So that's obviously the biggest news that we got when it comes to the goaltending and just getting Blackwood back now with Blackwood and Bernier fully healthy with the team. That's just uh, a, definitely a breath of fresh air from the last couple of weeks. And speaking of Scott Wedgwood, we actually got this news today on November 3rd. So this came after um, last night's game. Uh, and obviously, I'm a little bit out of order here when it comes to dates, but I, I wanted to get kind of a lot of these updates and stuff out of the way before I get into the big bulk of what I wanted to discuss on this episode. Um, earlier today, on the, on November 3rd, um, the Devils placed Scott Wedgwood on waivers. Um, so obviously, I think it's like, what, 24 hours? Um, and then after the 24 hours is up, if he clears waivers, which I would ultimately assume that he does... He will end up either being assigned to Utica, which I think is the most likely expectation, or for all we know, the Devils could just release him, which would be kind of a surprise a little bit. But I, I think most likely what will happen is that Scott Wedgwood is going to end up just getting sent down to Utica. Um, the writing was on the wall for Wedgwood, knowing that Bernier was coming back and then obviously activating um, Mackenzie Blackwood last night, that he was the odd man out. And because we don't have a taxi squad this year because of NHL rules, we're not carrying a third goaltender. Um, I don't know if the Devils could actually still hold on to a third goaltender. I would imagine that they could if they wanted to, if, you know, when it comes to roster construction. But the Devils are obviously um, confident now that Bernier and Blackwood are here. They're here to stay. Um, and that Wedgwood, you know, will go down to Utica, give the, uh, the Comets, who are off to a fantastic fantastic start um give him a little bit of a, a veteran um presence down there but again this is this really should be a surprise that Wedgwood's going down to Utica 
Um, so again, that's kind of the expectation with that. Uh, not really a surprise, not the, not big news, but I thought I'd share that with you guys. Um, anyway, so those are the updates when it comes to some of the players on this team. Um, and now we're going to shift to uh, the second topic, which is the big bulk of this entire episode here today. And that is the Devils game against the Ducks, which was on Tuesday night on ESPN Plus and ESPN Plus only. So it wasn't on MSG, wasn't on MSG Plus. The only way that you were allowed to watch this game is if you had a subscription to ESPN Plus or if you were able to find another way to stream the game. Um, so luckily for me, I have a really good friend, uh, basically my best friend, who allows me to use his ESPN Plus account, uh, which I'm very grateful for and I appreciate um, for it. So I had the chance to watch the game. Uh, and so it was the first time that really we got a chance to see uh, a devil's game on ESPN, so to speak. It was an ES it was one of the two ESPN exclusive games because obviously they show out of market games in general, but this was where it was predominantly ESPN plus the other game that was predominantly ESPN plus was the sharks versus Sabres game. Um, but the devils and ducks were on ESPN plus it was Leah Hextall as the play-by-play -play voice uh, with Kevin Weeks as the um, color commentator. And then they had uh, Linda Cohn as the uh, between the bench um, broadcaster. I want to start with that, actually. I want to start with that because I know that in some ways saying some certain things could be, you know, walking, you know, you have to walk a fine line at some degree, but I'm only going to speak about how I feel about how the game was broadcasted. I will say this presentation wise, I thought ESPN did a pretty good job. I think it was cool that we got a chance to uh, hear Lindy Ruff in the locker room before the game and then hearing PK Subban announce the starting lineup. I think that was cool. We don't get an opportunity to see that very often. We really never got that with NBC that much. Um, I imagine TNT will do it in some way, but that was kind of a cool thing. Um, I felt like just presentation wise from the logos, the way that they were, the way they were looking and everything. I just thought it was pretty good. The scoreboard was solid. You know, it, it's, it's in a pretty good position in the top uh, left corner. So that's good. Um, so yeah, presentation wise, I think ESPN did a good job. I really did not like the broadcasting of everybody really when it came to um, that game. Uh, you know, obviously not counting Arta Ocal, who actually worked for the Devils for a little bit a couple of years ago, and Ryan Callahan, who were uh, in the studio, you know, doing the intermission report. I actually thought they were pretty good. Um, I enjoyed listening to them, and I really didn't have an issue with them. My biggest issues were starting with Leah Hextall. I have nothing against Leah Hextall. I've heard her broadcast games before uh, when she was doing a lot of college hockey games when ESPN was really only doing college hockey, particularly when we got to the Frozen Four. Um, but I haven't heard her a lot. Um, but I have heard her do some of the other games on ESPN this year. And I know that a lot of people are pretty critical of, you know, the tone of her voice, um, her voice in general, which I know to some people can be annoying. I don't find it as annoying uh, really that much. As a matter of fact, sometimes I don't even really notice it because I'm so focused on the game itself. Um, but the thing that really upset me about Hextall's broadcasting of the game is that she made a lot of mistakes that were easily correctable and nobody did anything to kind of stop it. Uh, she called Jonathan Bernier Gibson like seven, eight times during the broadcast. 
And that was getting ridiculous. It, it's okay if it's one or two times you make a mistake, but um, no, she did it several times. Uh, she called Pavel Zaka, Pavel Zuka. Where is the O in that at all? Uh, another time she called Sharon Govich, Saren Govich, Saren Govich. When, how is the H silent there? Um, I don't remember if she made any other mistakes. I'm sure somebody will tell me that. But she she definitely did that. When it came to the goals, like, you know, presenting the goals, uh, that was a little bit, you know, high-pitched and everything like that. But I get it. You know, it's her voice. She's got to do the best that she can with her voice. And I respect that, okay? Like, you know, I don't have to like it, but I respect it. You know, that's just the way that I am. I respect it. Being a fellow broadcaster and obviously, you know, being a male, I do respect people who do this and, you know, have a voice. And even if it's not the most well-liked voice, they, they still do the job that they, that they're paid to do. Um, the other thing that I didn't like, honestly, is that I felt like the broadcasting team did spend too much time talking about stories and not necessarily focusing on the game as much. I think Kevin Weeks did a pretty solid job when it came to that, but I felt like Linda Cohen and also uh, Leah Hextall, they spend a lot more time talking about stories about, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're obviously, there's obviously a time and place for all of that, but I felt like we emphasized that way too much. Um, and so that became, those were the things that were annoying to me about the broadcast. And I remember it got to a point where I was so frustrated with all of it that I ended up just muting the TV. Um, Cause I was watching the game with a couple of my fam, my family members. And we were just like, we gotta, we gotta mute this TV. Um, so I will end that part by saying, I am not, this is nothing personal to Leah Hextall, Kevin Weeks, or Linda Cohen. It's just that I felt like the way it was orchestrated and everything like that, and some of those mistakes that were kind of ridiculous after a while, I just feel like th those should have been fixed during the intermissions and everything like that. The other thing that was frustrating is that, um, that I forgot, and obviously we're going to talk about it because it's pretty significant, but when Dougie Hamilton got hurt and did not return to the game, um, the broadcasting team took nearly three quarters of the second period to then finally tell us that Dougie Hamilton wasn't on the ice. Granted, if you're on social media, particularly on Twitter, and you follow Amanda Stein, she said it immediately before the period started that Dougie Hamilton came out, you know, just before the second period, he went over to the trainer, something was bugging him, and he didn't return. He went back to the locker room, and that was the end of it. Um, so that's kind of, you know, that's that. But if you were just watching the game and you were wondering, where's Dougie Hamilton? Where's Dougie Hamilton? They didn't talk about it until with about three, two, three minutes to go in the second period. I mean, they nearly went an entire period without telling us anything about Dougie Hamilton. So those are just mistakes that, that are that easily can be corrected and should have been corrected and just were not. And that was the frustrating thing. So um, I don't know who's doing the Devils Kings game. That's also an ESPN plus on Friday. Um, but I do hope that those mistakes get corrected and, and we don't see them again and we don't hear them again because uh, you are you are on national TV and you're getting paid to say these guys' names correctly. And I've uh, I've taken great pride in making sure that I pronounce people's names correctly. And, and look, I still make mistakes. I have people who listen to this podcast that tell me all the time that I'm screwing up Shakir Mukhamadulin's um, name. Um, you know, it happens. It happens. Uh, Vukashevich, I, I still probably have screwed that up. Um, I even have screwed up, uh, my good friend, Dylan Kate, uh, Kayser, um, his last name who works here at the hockey podcast network, who does the BC hockey podcast. I've been saying Kaiser for so long and I was doing a live watch along last night and he told me that it was Kayser. 
Uh, so I apologize to everybody for making those mistakes. I don't do it deliberately. And I know that the broadcasters on ESPN are not doing it deliberately. So, you know, I understand. But at some point, you got to find a way to correct that. So those are the things from the broadcast. I just wanted to get that out of the way because I feel like it's 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 uh, meaningless compared to what actually happened in this game. But let's go to the game. So the Devils got off to a really good start in the first 10 minutes. They were flying. They were dictating the pace. Uh, Dawson Mercer had a couple of chances in the front where the Devils could have easily scored. Uh, they looked like a team that was ready to uh, to run away with this game. They looked like that they were ready to score four or five goals and really, really just you know dominate from start to finish. And then the Devils got their first power play. And shockingly enough, they did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I say that sarcastically because we all know how bad the Devils power play still is and they looked really bad they looked really really bad and from that point on for the last 50 minutes of that game the devils looked like excuse my language they looked like shit they looked like shit i'm sorry i i try very hard not to curse but when it gets to the point where it's so frustrating i don't feel like there's there's any other words except curse words to justify it so i apologize to people who may get offended but I'm just trying to be real with you guys. I've told you guys before, this podcast is for the fans by a fan. I'm going to tell you like it is. I'm not going to just sugarcoat these things. I'm going to tell you like it is from what I saw from my own perspective. I hated, absolutely hated the 50 minutes of hockey that the Devils played after dominating the first 10. I hated it. They were boring. They were unimaginative. They made way too many passes. They took way too many penalties. It just looked bad. No energy, nothing, absolutely nothing. And then the next bad thing that happens is that, well, first of all, you know, the Devils go down one nothing on a power play goal by Ryan Getzlaff. Um, and it just, it's so unbelievably frustrating because then we go into the intermission and it's like, okay, you know, now it's an opportunity to regroup. Let's shake this off. Let's try to move forward with it. And let's try to get back to the way that we were playing in the first 10 minutes. We're not going, we're not getting blown out here. Okay. We're not getting blown. It's one, nothing after 20 minutes of play. But then I happen to just go on social media and I end up seeing that Amanda Stein tweets out that Dougie Hamilton uh, came out to start the period, skated a little bit, then went back to the locker room with the trainer and never returned to the game. And they ended up describing the Devils, with like five minutes to go in the game, decided to tell us Dougie Hamilton's not returning. First of all, no shit. Second of all, they said it was a lower body injury. And those type of statements make, you just put, a, you know, I just get a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach because I've heard that type of thing before. Lower body, upper body injury, not giving us barely anything. And we don't know what's going on. We have absolutely no idea what is going on when it comes to Dougie Hamilton. And at the time of this recording, we still don't know. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. 
everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So I'm hoping that maybe on Thursday or certainly Friday, we have some form of an idea as to what happened. Nobody even knows a lot of us tried to go back to the first period and try to see if there was something that happened in that period that led to Dougie Hamilton getting hurt. There was nothing. And it was just one of those things where it's like, really? We just continue to deal with injuries to our main guys? I mean, we have no luck. We have absolutely no luck. This is, this is just getting ridiculous that this just keeps happening and we're still a team that's a game over 500 i mean we're not we're not in dire straits but it 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 was bad but that was just one of the many things that just were awful about this game the devils finished taking seven penalties seven penalties there was a total of 12 penalties in the game seven for the devils five for anaheim there was two, two of those penalties were too many men on the ice calls. How are you that undisciplined that not only do you do it once, you do it twice? That's ridiculous. And then in one of the power plays, the Devils took a penalty with like, you know, five, you know, 20 seconds into it and all of a sudden negated the power play. I mean, those are things that I have seen the Devils do year in and year out and have not changed. And the Devils finished five for seven on the penalty kill, but two of the four goals that Anaheim scored were on the power play. Now, I'm not saying that if those power play goals uh, don't happen, that the Devils find a way to win this game. The only way, in my opinion, that the Devils were going to win this game is that if they had scored in that first power play when they were dominating 10 minutes into the game. If they had scored on that power play, the Devils are winning that game because Anaheim knew that they were in for a long night the way they were playing in the first 10 minutes. They were getting out-hustled, out-played, out-chanced, everything. The whole play was down in the duck zone. The Devils were just pushing it. Pushing it. But after not scoring and giving up, you know, shorthanded opportunities, the Ducks took advantage of it and dominated the rest of the way. And the Devils were 0 for 5 on the power play with like something like, I don't even, I don't even know how many shots they had on the power play. I think they had like four. I mean, the fact that even at four was a miracle. Oh, and you know what? The Devils did score on the power play. It just so happened to be for the other team as they gave up a shorthanded goal at the end. And I believe that was the Lundstrom goal where again, we have five guys in our defensive zone trying to, trying to get the puck. The Ducks have two. Lundstrom has the puck and just throws it behind him, and it got past Bernier, which is a goal that Bernier should have stopped. 
And that's just ridiculous to me. That's pathetic. I mean, that's just disgusting. This was by far the worst game of the season. And I'm, I, I know I said that about the Calgary game. I know that because we were down for nothing 12, 13 minutes into the game. But when you look at the whole body of work, at least the Devils scored a couple of more goals, a couple of goals, period, in that game and only lost five to three. Whereas in this one, they score no goals, get shut out for the first time, and for 50 minutes did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that is what pisses me off. And the two guys that stand out to me, again, are Elaine Nazardin and Mark Recchi. Nazardin has been given chance after chance after chance since he was allowed to stay on Lindy Ruff's staff after you-know-who got fired, and we were all giving Nazardine a lot of credit for how he handled the team as the interim head coach and everything like that. And all of us, a lot of us actually, were pretty much okay with Nazardine staying on because we felt like he was doing a bang-up job. He gets to be in charge of the defense and the penalty kill. We have statistically one of the worst penalty kills last year. Oh, and guess what? We were 28th last year. You know where we are this year? 27th there was literally no difference between this year and last year and we have more talent on that defensive side and we lost one of our biggest talents in Dougie Hamilton to injury would that have made a difference I think it probably would have but unfortunately you still got to go out there and play and it's got to be next man up and uh nobody really in this game played well nobody I'm sorry nobody did nobody you know, Mercer had some chances early in the game, but after that, everybody just kind of faltered, just absolutely faltered. So Elaine Nazardine, as usual, piss poor job on the penalty kill. And then there's Mark Recchi. I can understand why the Penguins were so relieved when they fired Mark Recchi when he was in charge of the power play for several years in Pittsburgh. I can see now why Penguins fans are glad he's gone. He just doesn't know what he's doing. He has absolutely no idea. This team continues to look the same as it, as it has in years past on the power play. We're making way too many passes, and as a result, we become so predictable where teams can just intercept it, clear it the other way, or create shorthanded opportunities, or score shorthanded, which happened last night. And these two gentlemen have gotten chance after chance. Recky is a respected Hall of Fame player. He is a horrible, horrible offensive coach. Elaine Nazardine, I can't believe I have to say this name, but he was part of the John Hines regime. He was part of the old guard. He has to go. Both of these men are not doing the job that they were brought in or kept to do because this team has too much talent, both on offense and defense, to be looking this bad on both sides from the special teams. It's unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. I do not personally believe that Jonathan Bernier had a bad game last night. I will say that the fourth goal, he should have stopped it. But at the same time, when you have a situation where you, you have all five of your guys in the, in the zone and they only have two shorthanded and they score, that's just ridiculous. That's a whole team bad effort right there. It's absolutely disgusting. And here's the other thing 
that really, really irritated me. Corey Matzizak, who covers the athletic for the Devils, he was, you know, speaking with Nico Heischer after the game. And Nico Heischer said straight up, said the team is playing with no confidence on the power play said they must simplify things, must start shooting pucks, and must start playing with more intensity on the power play. So Nico Heischer, the captain of this team, has specifically said out loud that this team is not confident in itself. This team is lacking confidence. There was confidence through four periods of play to start this season. The biggest reason why? Jack Hughes. Now, I'm not going to sit here and make that as the biggest reason why this team is looking as garbage as it does on special teams. But it is a major factor. This team was relying on Jack Hughes to break out this tier. This team was relying on him to be the leader on the ice. And it doesn't seem like to me right now that anybody else wants to take the reins and be the guy. Maybe Dawson Mercer. Maybe. Because Mercer's had some success. But other than that, who else has stepped up? Andreas Janssen. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy because Janssen has played very well to start the year. But you can't expect him to be that main goal-scoring leader. We'll take it, but we have too much talent. And you have a guy like Sharon Govich, who has now continuously not scored a goal. And that's irritating me. We are freaking... What, seven games, eight games into the season and Sharon Govich has still not scored a goal. I think it's time to get really concerned about it and say, is he not ready for prime time? Was last year just a fluke? Yanni Kwokinen, where has he been since the season started? Tatar, he was brought in to be that help on the top six for scoring. He hasn't scored a goal yet. Nico Heischer? He struggled. Brett only recently has started to get going, but it's taken him a while. Guys are not stepping up, and this just shows it. And if there's no confidence, where is that coming from? Where is the lack of confidence coming from? It starts with the coaching, and then it trickles down to the players. Something has to change. And, and I know some people might say, Neil, it's early. We're less than 10 games into the season. We're a game over 500. What are you complaining about? I'm complaining about this team getting off to a mediocre start and having to try to play catch up in the second half of the year. Or by the time we get to freaking mid-January, we're once again sitting here talking about, oh, well, we're definitely not making the playoffs. Who are we going to trade at the deadline? Who are we going to take with our first round pick in the top 10 next year in the NHL draft? Aren't you guys sick of that? Aren't you guys sick of this? Aren't you guys sick of watching the same thing over and over again? That makes us all insane that we continue to sit here and watch this team doing the same thing over and over again, knowing the result. And I don't know what it is. It, it, it must be the ownership. I hate bringing it back up, but it must be the ownership because this has continued to happen. They have changed coaches. They have changed players. They have done everything. And they still play in many ways the same damn systems that John Hines had six years ago. And I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this team not being able to win these games. You were playing Anaheim, Los Angeles, and San Jose. 
three teams that no disrespect are towards the bottom or are going to be towards the bottom of the Pacific division. You should, with the talent that you have, you should be able to go in and beat them or at least go two for two out of three. And you're sitting here now and I don't know if the devils can beat LA on Friday. If they're playing like what they played yesterday against Anaheim, they have no shot. They didn't even score. This team looks like they'll never score again sometimes. They, they just look, they're, they're so hesitant with everything. And this, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry because I've been a fan of Lindy Ruff and I've been a supportive of him. But if this is the best he's going to offer when it comes to the structure and everything like that, he's got to go too. I'm sorry. I know this sounds like an overreaction, and maybe it is. Who knows? You know, hockey's a magical, unpredictable sport. We'll see what happens throughout the rest of the year. But, guys, you got to give me some sort of break here with this. Some sort of break. And you know what? The other thing that was really pissing me off, it really pissed me off because we found about it today. Um, the NHL player safety uh, actually had to have a meeting with P.K. Subban because – and we saw it on the replay a couple minutes into last night's game. He had a dangerous trip on Anaheim's Trevor Zegris. And I actually thought he was going to get suspended because this is now the second time that he has had to speak with the NHL's player safety about the, about a, a, a dangerous trip. He ended up getting fined $15,000, which is the maximum allowable under the, the collective bargaining, bargaining agreement. This is the second time. He was fined $5,000 last week for a trip on Milan Lucic. So he's lost $20,000 for two stupid trips. One was called, the other was not. Oh, and if you remember, in the preseason, the second game against the Rangers, Subban trips Ryan Reeves, who got hurt and didn't come back in that game. Granted, he was able to come back later on and play this season, but... That could have easily been a penalty as well, and he could have gotten in trouble for that. So PK obviously has continued to look like absolute garbage defensively. I'm at the point where I feel like they should just buy him out. The hell with it. He's just not a help. Like I would rather they bring up someone like Riley Walsh, somebody, Kevin Ball, because they're young and they can still develop. Where Subban, his game has just declined ever since he got to Jersey. It's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And we just keep letting him because we have no choice. We, nobody, can, nobody wants that contract. And thank the Lord it comes off the books after this year. Because the P.K. Subban experiment failed miserably. And that's, and that's just it. I mean, that's just it from this game, man. I mean, we lost four to nothing. We had absolutely no shot in the game after the first 10 minutes. Power play was atrocious. Penalty kill was bad. Um, goaltending did what it could, but, you know, obviously we gave up some goals. Um, you know, Troy Terry was, Troy was phenomenal. Nine-game point streak. I, I don't even remember the last time a double player had a nine-game point streak. Maybe it was Taylor Hall in the year he won the heart. Um, but yeah, guys, that, that was, that was putrid. And I'm glad that I got this out of my system before I go on my trip to Chicago. I'm going to be going away starting on Thursday, actually. So I'll promote this episode and then I'm going to be heading over to Chicago for exactly a week. Um, 
So I will, I will do my best to continue to do that state of mind. Um, you know, watch the games on my computer. Uh, I'll miss probably, uh, if I can see here, I'm going to, I'll be in Chicago for the game against the Kings, the game against the Sharks, um, the home game against Florida on the ninth. And then also at seven o'clock, um, I'll actually be in transit going from Chicago back to, back to here, back to New York, New Jersey area, uh, when the Devils are at home against the Islanders. So I will be away for the next three, four games. Um, and then we got Boston on Saturday, the 13th. Um, so let you guys know that. Um, I may not be as active because I want to give this opportunity for me to kind of focus on myself. I've been going through a lot emotionally, mentally. Um, sometimes I'm, I haven't been in the best position to do things. And I amaze myself that I'm able to push myself to continue to give you guys episodes and and everything and give you guys content as best as I can. I do appreciate the support that a lot of people have given me over the last couple of days when it comes to this. Um, but uh, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to end up doing when it comes to Devil's State of Mind. Uh, but, you know, I'm, obviously I'm not going away. I'm not, it's not like this is coming to an end. It's just that, you know, I want to take the trip to Chicago as an opportunity for me to kind of re reset myself, get myself, um, get my energy fully back and, and have a good time over there. I'm going to be going to a Notre Dame game. I'm going to go see the Nets play the Bulls. And then I'm actually going to see the Blackhawks take on the Penguins. Um, so I got some sporting events to go check out and some other stuff that I'm going to check out as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I definitely wanted to get you guys out this episode and give you my thoughts on this game because I feel like I needed to say it. Um, you know, sometimes it's like a therapy session for me to talk about the devils and everything like that and just get these things off my mind instead of bombarding other people who don't care as much about it um, like that. So that's really much it with the devils game. Their next game is against LA 10 30 PM Eastern on ESPN plus and ESPN plus only. We'll see how that goes. Um, hopefully we'll know something about Dougie Hamilton soon and we can kind of go from there. The last thing, and again, and a little bit of positive news that I wanted to give you guys uh, every now and then I give you guys some prospect slash AHL updates, uh, particularly with Utica um, and also just prospects to kind of give you guys uh, just some, you know, just some things that maybe not everybody talks about and, you know, shows on social media. So the first thing I want to discuss really quickly is uh, the Utica Comets, who are in their first year now, again, being the AHL affiliate of the Devils, have gotten off to a hell of a start. 4-0-0 to begin the season. They just came off back on October 29th. A 5-2 victory at home against Lehigh Valley Phantoms. They scored five unanswered goals in that game. And two of those goals were by number 10, or number 9 actually, Alexander Holtz who continues to be a man on a mission down in Utica. He has taken, he's certainly, I think in a way he has taken getting sent down to Utica, not making a team out of camp, even though he deserved it. I think he took it personally and he made it a point to make sure that his time in Utica is short and that he proves to the Devils that he's ready to come up here and help this team and become part of the future and really, you know, start his NHL career. Alexander Holtz has five goals in four games, which leads the team. He's had two multi-goal games already. He had two in the first game of the season, and he just had two in the last victory for Utica against Lehigh Valley. Um, that is impressive. And this guy is a scoring machine. And even the Devils social media has been sharing it, which tells you that they're watching and they've seen it. 
And I'm telling you this right now. If our offensive fire, if our offense is continuing to sputter and we're not scoring, we need to make changes like bringing up Alexander Holtz. We need to give these guys an opportunity. We need to go out and potentially make a move to still acquire Vladimir Tarasenko, who still wants to be traded. We need to do these things because if 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 Tom Fitzgerald wants to have to have this be a meaningful season where we take a step in the right direction and have competitive games in March and April. We got to make moves. We can't allow this season to fall apart before it ever gets off the ground. We're less than 10 games in. And yeah, we're four, three, and one, but we should have beaten Columbus. Okay. We should have beaten Anaheim last night. We should have five, six wins. We shouldn't be, you know, even with the injuries, we should still be able to have success. And we're not getting it. We need guys like Holtz to come up. So I'm hoping that. The Devils make some moves and maybe get, bring up Holt soon because he's showing that he's ready to go. If he's having this much success down there, what is he going to do once he gets up here? That, that's what I'm hoping for. And he's, he's that guy that could be our top goal scorer for the next 10 years if we're lucky. But we're never going to know if we don't give him an opportunity. He earned the right to be up here. And they still wanted to send him down. It's time. It's time for him to come up. He's ready. He's confident. We have to give him an opportunity because if he can come in and start scoring, give us some success, the confidence is going to just breathe throughout the entire team. And it's just going to, it's just going to create so much good that could really help us get off, get going here. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, with regards to Utica, their next game is also on Friday. Uh, it'll be a road game at Syracuse. So they'll look to try to move to 5-0-0 and continue their red-hot start to the AHL season. And then the other thing when it comes to prospects, I want to talk quickly about uh, Shakira Mukamadulin because he did something that it didn't result in a goal, but it was impressive nonetheless. And it actually happened today on November 3rd. Uh, he went on a breakaway. Mind you, he's a defenseman. He went on a breakaway and he ended up doing the Tomas hurdles shot where he put the puck between his legs and shot it just went wide of the net. So he didn't score. Um, and he's playing for Ufa in the KHL. They won that game by the score of three to two. They're 15 and six now on the year, which is third in the Eastern conference in the KHL. So they're doing very, very well. And Shakir through 26 games has scored three goals, four assists, seven points, which is pretty solid for a defenseman. But why do I bring up that whole breakaway and, and why is it a big deal even though he didn't score? From what I've seen from Shakir, he's a very confident hockey player playing in the second hardest league in the world in the KHL. This is obvious. There's no debate about this. This is a kid that a lot of us were not sure about when the Devils took him with the 20th overall pick. And a lot of people are saying, he's projected to go in like the third round. Why are you taking him now? And I think that this could be one of those moves. If Shakir continues to develop the way he's been developing, this could be one of those incredible steals where we got a guy uh, that nobody knew anything about that becomes a hell of a defenseman. And he hasn't even played one single professional game. I don't even think he's signed his uh, entry-level contract. But I will say this with absolute certainty, that if he continues to play like this, Mukumadula will be... Uh, signing that entry-level contract by the end of the season. I think that Fitzgerald, if, if he's watching, and I'm sure he is, I'm sure that there is somewhat of a plan that maybe if he continues to play this way, 
that when the KHL season ends, he comes over here like Alexander Holtz did, comes over here, signs that entry level contract, and then go plays, you know, a couple games in Utica and goes from there. But I was very impressed by that, that breakaway opportunity. And for him to put it through the legs, granted he missed the net, but for him to put it through the legs as a defenseman on a breakaway shows you the type of confidence that he has in himself and the confidence that he has to score in those situations, even if he didn't score. So it's a small thing that just most people is like, why are you making this a big deal? It It's pretty impressive nonetheless. So we'll see what happens. You know, Shakir and his team are playing very well. Hopefully they can make a deep run in the KHL playoffs and maybe go win the, win the cup, um, the Gagarian cup, I believe it's called. Um, and we'd like to see Shakir come in New Jersey sooner rather than later because there's still so much about him that we don't know. He's one of the first three picks that Tom Fitzgerald ever made as the GM of this team. And, uh, you know, we've seen Mercer. We know what he's capable of. And he's, he's going to be a phenomenal player. Holtz, he showed a lot in the preseason. And we're, we're very excited to see what he can bring to the NHL because this guy's got such a great shot. And then Shakir with the talent that he has as a two-way defenseman, you know, we, we, he has a lot. He's a bright future with this team. So, you know, that's kind of the update for you guys. And that's kind of the end of this episode here. Um, again, like I said, I will, um, starting tomorrow, I will be heading over to Chicago for a week, uh, you know, vacation to kind of, you know, regroup myself and everything like that. Um, you guys can obviously continue to reach out to me on Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and on Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11. Or you could do it on the Devil State of Mind Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. Um, I will do my best to make sure that I actually do have episodes ready for Monday as well as Thursday of next week um, so I can continue to keep up with the schedule. But if things change, I will obviously let you guys no, but for the most part, I'm going to be pretty quiet uh, unless some big things happen. I'll be pretty quiet when it comes to that area. I'm going to just be taking a lot of time for myself. I do appreciate it uh, up front, all the support and everything like that. Um, and I really do appreciate everything you guys have done for me, um, you know, throughout this entire uh, process and everything with the podcast that means a lot to me. We're continuing to grow, not only with this podcast, but as a network. The live watch-alongs have been phenomenal. We reached over 1,500 views last night when I did the live watch-along between the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, there's, they're, they're, you know, just saying thank you doesn't, you know, is not fully what I want to say. I, I don't know what other words to say other than thank you. You know, it just, it means a lot to me that you guys uh, care a lot about what I have to say and you guys enjoy what I have to say and everything like that. It, it means the world to me. So thank you guys so much. Um, and I will see you guys in the next episode.